This episode is made possible with the help of our friends at Deep Eddie Vodka. We got another fantastic drink idea coming your way today as we continue this season of Beyond the Drink. Cheers, Deep Eddie, to you all and the amazing work you do to give back, especially this holiday season. To learn more about Deep Eddie, go to deepeddyvodka.com and follow them on social media at Deep Eddie Vodka. Deep Eddie, we thank you. Hey everyone, I'm Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. Beyond the Drink is a short segment where some of the best mixologists in the country explain the fascinating stories and recipes behind their favorite drinks. In this week's episode, we're back with one of the greatest, Tony Abuganam. Tony's widely regarded as one of the pioneering and leading bar professionals in the world. He's the author of The Modern Mixologist, Contemporary Classic Cocktails, and another book called Vodka Distilled. He has a signature branded line of modern mixologist bar tools, which I have on my bar cart at home. I selfishly asked Tony for a vodka-based hot toddy style cocktail, everybody, and I should have known that he was just gonna bring it. He's schooling us on a drink called Glug. Think hot toddy meets mold wine. To get this recipe, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with Tony Abugani. Hi, I'm Tony Abuganum, founder of The Modern Mixologist here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's getting to be that time of year when the temperature's going down a little bit and we need a little warm up. So I love, love, love this time of year. Uh, colors are changing, nip in the air, and warm drinks are, are fantastic. I grew up uh, in Poirier, Michigan at the Brass Row Bar. My cousin Helen, she always makes during the holidays Tom and Jerry's, which are a classic lost and forgotten holiday tradition. And it's a lot of work. You have to make an egg batter and separate the eggs. And then you add cognac and Jamaican rum. And then you heat it all up with hot water and grate a little nutmeg. And it's just a little pillow in a glass, Andrew. I mean, it's just like, like drinking a cloud. It's so yummy. Uh, you can only have a couple of them, though. They <laughs> They'll sneak up on you, but you know they just warm you up from the inside, uh, like a blanket, you know, on for the inside. And this inspired me uh, to do, you know, I do a hot buttered rum every year, which is another great uh, cold weather drink. Um, I do some spiced cider that is really lovely. Uh, I make my own rock and rye, so it takes a little bit of work, but it makes a great gift. Homemade rock and rye, uh, and then when I was writing vodka distilled. I started doing some research on uh, vodka-based drinks and holiday drinks and things that meant a lot to me. And I was reminded of a German couple that I'd love to go to their house during the holidays. And they'd make Glühwein, Glühwein, if I'm pronouncing it right. And the house would always smell so good, you know, because you've got those spices and the wine. And But it, it wasn't fortified uh, with vodka. So I started doing some research. And, you know, Scandinavian com- countries, they love to, to warm up uh, from fortification and from temperature. And glug wine uh, popped up. So I played with a few recipes uh, for the book and came up with the one that um, you're going to feature. It's uh, in my book, Vodka Distilled. And again, you can just let that simmer on the stove. And if you have a few friends over and, you know, they just smell it as soon as they hit the door and uh, anxiously awaiting that first 
a little sip of goodness. How did you come upon for the garnishes, the slivered almonds and gold? I was just, let's I want to get to like, you know, the end right before I'm about to take a sip. Um, and then we'll go back. How'd you come upon the garnishes for this? Well, I, you know, I found different things in different recipes. When you start researching some of the old books um, and golden raisins seem to be a, a staple and the slivered almonds. Uh, and I wasn't sure until I started to, to play with them. And yeah, it, it you know, it adds a richness as it simmers and you, especially from those raisins. And, um, you know, I tried it with dates and that was just a little too much, but I mean, um, prunes, uh, I I tried everything, but it was the golden raisins that really resonated and brought the drink together. And that's what, you know, when you're making a drink, Andrew, it's, it's, everything needs to kind of be cohesive and complement one another and nothing overpower something. So in this drink, it really is. And like I said, the longer it kind of simmers and those flavors come together and ah, you you just enjoy it with all your senses. And uh, like I said, if you're uh, somewhere cold, (laughs) there's nothing like a little, uh, and it gets cold here in Las Vegas, eh? the high desert, we we get chilly uh, in the winter. So you warm up a little glug and uh, puts a, puts a smile on everyone's face. Yes. So I see, you know, in terms of flavoring, like the orange peel, the cinnamon, the clove, the cardamom pods, you talk a lot about balancing cocktails and, you know, I've come to realize through watching you do some incredible cocktail demonstrations, it's not too, you know, far off from, from cooking and a good recipe and balancing spices or herbs and salt and pepper and things like that. So, you know, I always say to someone, if they're cooking, if you like it more spicy, add more hot sauce or crushed red pepper. If you don't like spice, you know, take it away. If you like more zip, add another squeeze of lemon juice. So for something like this, if someone is saying, oh, I don't love cinnamon that much, is it as simple as removing cinnamon from that part of the recipe? Absolutely. I mean, and there's a, you know, you can play with other uh, spices. I mean, all spice uh, pods, uh, berries, I mean, you can crush those. Those will give you a little knot not of cinnamon, but I use cardamom. I love the cardamom and the flavor. But if you put too much cardamom, then all you're tasting is cardamom. So none of these things should be, they should be subtle. They should just be hints there that you're like, oh, there's some complexity. There's something and not necessarily be able to identify, whoa, I'm getting hit with a lot of cinnamon here or, you know, too much vanilla or too much citrus or all in balance. You know, a great cocktail like life should be balanced. Yes, I love it. So how does it, does this fit into like a mulled wine category or what do you think? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, a lot of Scandinavian countries, they'll do some type of mulled wine and they generally have their own recipes and they put their own twists on that recipe. And like I said, my, my friends, uh, Walter and Krista, you know, that was in the wintertime when we'd come over, it was always, you could smell it as soon as you walked in that blue wine, which is the, the German version. But I love this one because, you know, I, I also, in my recipe, I just use straight vodka, but it definitely have some fun, you know, with a citrus vodka, with an orange vodka, just to bring a play again off of those citrus notes that you're getting from the orange rind already in the drink. And the spices also just play nicely with citrus. 
That's a good idea. I was actually just thinking our friends at the podcast here at Deep Eddie have a cranberry vodka, which now that I'm thinking may be real nice around holiday time in there. <laughs> I, I think cranberry, uh, again, and play with different styles of wine. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to touch upon in the in the method part of this, the instructions, um, you say to heat to a simmer uncovered, uh, do not boil. Can you explain why we don't want this to kind of rapidly boil away. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to uh, boil wine. You just want to bring it up to a, not even quite a rolling bowl, just a simmer so you, you, you kind of you're cooking it in a sense, you know, so you you're bringing out the sweetness out of those raisins and the spices contributing those notes and you're pulling the oils from the rind that you, of the orange and and you, yeah, you just want to let that simmer and get cozy in the pot and uh, just keep it warm, uh, you know, if you need to warm it a little bit throughout the consumption phase just uh, but yeah, you never need to bring it to a full boil and it's better not to uh, break down the drink. Uh, and so just a yeah, nice, happy simmer. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited for this one. I feel like I just, I'm like feeling chilly and like I need to make this one, uh, soon. Tony, this one sounds amazing. Thank you. Um, as I think, you know, all of our guests on our companion podcast, Beyond the Plate, all give back in different ways. And I know you're one of the most generous humans that I know in this industry. So, we want to give you a moment as we do to shed some light on an organization uh, that you'd like to raise some awareness for. Is there anyone that's kind of moved you recently that you want to shed some light on? Well, thank you, Andrew, for that. Um, yes, I've been for years very involved with Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry. Um, done a lot of their uh, different presentations around the country, doing cocktail demos and donating cocktail demos uh, on behalf of No Kid Hungry, which is a lot of fun. Um, people will buy the demo. I'll come out. We'll do it at their home or a restaurant for 12 of their friends. And I bring all the tools and it's hands on and everyone gets to learn some techniques and make some drink with me. And it's just and it's a great way to raise awareness, raise some funds for No Kid Hungry, as well as uh, you know, have a fun little cocktail party. It's always, you know, it's nice to be able to give back and how important it is. Nothing really makes you feel better inside about yourself than helping those less fortunate. And one of the things that I've gotten very involved with the last uh, four years with No Kid Hungry is Chef Cycle and trying to um, get more people from the beverage world to participate in Chef Cycle, which is a three-day, 300-mile bicycle ride to raise uh, funds for the No Kid is Hungry. And so, yeah, it's a big personal challenge for myself to, uh, you know, I'm an avid bicycle rider, but to do 300 miles in three days, that that was new to me. And uh, it was, uh, you know, like I said, I love to set personal challenges like that. And uh, especially I'm taking better care of myself that way. And I'm also helping raise some funds for, like I said, those less fortunate. That's amazing. I actually, it's funny. I mentioned this in our episode zero, which is our introductory episode this season, but you're just like so on point because I always say that when you do that work you're doing, you know, to help, you know, those in need to, in the end, help put food on the table for people who don't have access to it. 
I always say like I wind up getting more out of it for myself selfishly than I do. I know it's doing good for them, but like you just said, you're setting personal goals, you know, you're getting in shape and things like that. But look, you know, look what you're doing in the end for, for people who need uh, food and don't have access to food. So cheers to you, sir. We appreciate that. Thank you. Let's do a quick, quick speed round, a couple questions here, and then we could close it out. Name a smell behind the bar that you love. A smell behind the bar that I love. I would have to say fresh squeezed citrus. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of everything being squeezed fresh. And Julio Bermejo, who is uh, my partner at the Tag Global Spirits Awards, turned me on years ago, many years ago, to hand extracting limes behind the bar for making his margaritas. And once I learned that, uh, that would have been 1995, that I've always done that. I insist on squeezing a la minute fresh lime juice in every drink. And even at the Bellagio, where we were doing 25,000 drinks a day, Everything was done with hand extracted fresh lime juice. They thought I was crazy at first, but uh, everyone bought in. And there's just no replace because it, you know, releases the oils from the rind and the fresh citrus juice itself. And it's just like, uh, you know, you, you know, your guests are going to love the drink that you're making with so much love for them. Name a spell behind the bar you hate. Oh, man, that's got to be stale beer. You know, that <laughs> it just, ah, I can. I, I can walk behind a bar and I can tell you without even opening my eyes uh, how well they take care of that bar just by that smell. You know, there's uh, there's no excuse in my mind for a dirty bar. Uh, Helen ran the Brass Reel Bar and still in the family. And the thing she was most proud of, no health violations ever behind the bar. And, you know, she just she said, you want to leave the bar the way you found it. And if everyone does that, you'll always have a spotless bar and you could eat off the floor at at her bar. And that's the way a bar should be. You shouldn't smell anything off behind a bar. I love that. Last one. Uh, Name the one cocktail that every home mixologist should have in their repertoire. I would say the old fashioned. I think the old fashioned right now, Andrew, is more popular than it's ever been. We've learned a lot about it with regard to muddling fruit, not muddling fruit, stirring it, bourbon. We've discovered rye. I'm more of a bourbon guy, a high proof bourbon in my old fashioned. Syrups, again, can be fun. I make a Demerara syrup. Today, the bitters market has just exploded. So, you know, you can have fun, you know, with with the bitters and, you know, or the salt and pepper, if you will, of mixology. And just notice how the different bitters will contribute different notes uh, to the old fashioned. But yeah, a great old fashioned and make great ice. If you have great ice to serve your drinks on, you'll never go back to that white cloudy stuff that your freezer makes. That's fantastic. I know you don't have bitters in this drink, but I'm so glad you brought it up because you also taught me this. Give us like, school us really quick. Give us like the 101 on how to use bitters in a cocktail. Bitters just bring that layer of complexity that is like, I say, the salt and pepper. It's a spice. Uh, And today, you know, bitters didn't survive prohibition. We were lucky for the longest time to find a bottle of Angostura bitters. People just stopped using bitters. Um, And during this cocktail resurgence that we're enjoying right now, bitters were one of those lost and forgotten ingredients that everyone gravitated to. And now there's, you know, hundreds of different bitters available. I even have my own bitters, the Tony Abuganum uh, pecan chicory uh, 
bitters. And Where do I get my hands on that? <laughs> I'll send you a bottle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great old fashioned. I love it. That sounds amazing. Well, Tony, thank you again. It's always a pleasure to uh, get schooled on a new cocktail. And I think we've got one more from you coming this season. So we'll talk to you soon, sir. Uh, It's my pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Find more on Tony Abuganem at themodernmixologist.com. To get this recipe, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen and Joel Yetton. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at Kathy's Plate. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Plate Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy.